Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Tuesday night edition of the Dunk Down Basketball Podcast. We took yesterday off, but that's because we're going to give you a special Friday episode after game four of the NBA Finals. But first, we got to get to some news here. A reminder that we are sponsored today by Harry's. Go to harrys.com slash capspace right now to redeem a special offer. $5 off one of their shave sets. And Lyft, if you want to drive for Lyft, work for the company that treats you better. Go to lyft.com slash capspace. That's a URL. And you can get a $500 new driver bonus. All right, what do we got here for news, Danny? Let's get started with that. And then we'll do De'Aaron Fox prospect report, followed by the scintillating Charlotte Hornets offseason. I think the biggest thing even though we've talked about it before is just that Chris Bosch that the, it is formalized by our Winderman that he is basically off their books they kind of accelerated the process that that it sounds like they're going to use in the new CBA and so that means Miami has this clarification as they go into the summer of 2017. Yeah Bosch in fact has been found by the new fitness to play panel that he is not capable of playing NBA basketball at this moment the one difference that I'm aware of with what the new process is going to be. This was kind of a hybrid process from the new process and the old process was normally you'd have to wait nine months to apply basically for reinstatement to show that you're capable of playing NBA basketball again to sign with another team. And even at this point, you wouldn't have anyone, uh, you wouldn't have any possibility of coming back onto Miami's books. But Bosch will not have to wait for that if he can get a team to sign off on him he can go back to the panel and if there's a way for him to play and a team that is interested in signing him then the panel can make a new ruling and clear him to play potentially uh we also heard that markel fultz will only be working out for the boston celtics as of now much of the talk out of boston and fultz's talk itself has been an indication that they're going to be selecting him he took a bunch of media photo ops with like the banners and stuff today so it certainly would be odd if they don't end up drafting him and uh you know sources say chad ford reporting today that he's atop their draft board right now and while they are going to consider everyone else it'd be pretty surprising for something to happen between now and the draft to remove him from the top of their draft board and that's also i guess interesting in light of the idea that they could potentially trade the pick though both of us don't think that's going to happen but you also don't see players just like randomly work out like for the chicago bulls or something like that so i'm not reading too much into that the other piece that i thought was particularly interesting is there have been some speculation after game two that tyloo was going to change the starting lineup the one that had been 
murmured in the locker room after game two was Amon Shumpert in place of J.R. Smith. And today at shoot around practice, whatever, uh, whatever it was called today, Lou clarified that the starting lineup is going to stay the same. And so that's notable in, in terms of the reporting and just to see if Cleveland's going to try to change it up or kind of keep doing what they've been doing. Yeah. And I think that's the right move. They just, as we said, they got to get J.R. going and they got to get Tristan Thompson going or they're going to lose the series. Taking those guys out of the game is not a solution to me. I mean, and keeping them in might not be a solution either, but you're basically giving yourself no chance if you can't get those guys who are probably you know, your fourth and fifth best players to play well. The conclusion, perhaps although this thing will probably never be over, at least in our eyes. Donatus Yunus has left Wasserman and BJ Armstrong. He is now signed at Octagon. And given how his situation was handled, I certainly understand that move. Yeah, I mean, for those who want more on this, this was the topic, I think, relative to the amount of time everybody else talked about it, this is probably our biggest disparity with any other basketball podcast because you and I just found <laughs> this whole, whole saga so fascinating. So if you want to listen to it, you can go back through. But... Yeah, I mean, think about where he is now and the money that he's made versus what would have happened if all he does is shows up for that physical. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it basically cost him six million bucks uh, this year because if he just showed up for the Rockets physical, which he declined to show up for, uh, presumably on the advice of his agent, because the Rockets weren't willing to match the incentives that were in the contract that they negotiated with the Nets. If he just shows up to that physical and then the Rockets say he can't play, he still could then go back and sign with the nets but by not showing up there are these specific provisions in the cba that fix it so you have massive penalties if you try to avoid getting matched by not showing up with the physical meaning that you can't sign with that team for one year and they had seven million guaranteed they presumably were comfortable with his physical even if the rockets weren't so by not showing up he basically uh cost himself or, or his agent cost him depending on what the dynamics were six million dollars that's bad it is bad we also got the final for the Bucks GM job per Woj, Zanuck, Wes Wilcox, and Karnasovas of the Denver Nuggets. I think those are probably at least two of the three best options on that wide-ranging list that had been floating around before that, and hopefully they make the right decision from here. Yeah, Zanuck, it was reported by Woj that his candidacy had significant internal momentum, and I know that he's well-regarded there by the people that he works with, and Wilcox and uh, Arturis Karnasovas, I, I know both of them as well they're both really smart basketball minds and we've talked about them before on previous podcasts so any of them i think are qualified but it does seem like reading the tea leaves that zanuck would be the leader right now for that last here Furkan Korkmaz, the 26th pick, a, a Turkish wing, kind of thin score shooter type, played for Anadolu Efes this year. He is traveling to Philadelphia, wants to be in the NBA. He has a $2 million buyout that the increase in the rookie scale will help him with a, a little bit, but still would be a little bit of a haircut there to get out of that. The Sixers, definitely, I think it's in their interest to stash him again. You'd rather have him on that cheap rookie contract for longer and that worked out great for them with Dario Saric because if Saric had come over when he was drafted, he would already be extension eligible and he's only a one year into his career now. So we'll see what ends up happening there. He apparently wants to even play some 
summer league. We've seen guys play summer league sometimes and then uh, go back to Europe as well. Uh, but I haven't seen much of Korkmaz in the last year. It'd be interesting to see if he plays at Eurobasket. Maybe we can get more of a read on him at that point. Yeah, and Phoenix, or sorry, not Phoenix, Philly already has a, actually a lot of roster spots tied up and guys that they already like. So maybe having another year to clarify with, with various players could work out. All right, I wanted to do bring back a little feature here. We won't do four random questions, but let's do two. But my first one for you is will julius randall ever be a quality starter i don't think so i i'm not gonna write it off people get so mad when you always say something like no to that i think it's less likely than than more likely and the reason why is a couple of basic personality traits so one is he's not like a stopper defensively i don't think that he can hold up at center you you mean not necessarily personality traits but yeah but, you know, just player traits, traits. traits of yeah. his game yeah correct yeah. correct so i don't think that he can hold up as a starting center for a lot of defensive reasons reasons he doesn't you know he has certain parts of the build but i don't think the defensive intelligence activity level anything like that is up there to the rim protection parts of it length yeah all those sorts of things and then offensively he's an intriguing talent i mean he's better with the ball in his hands than most guys his size but i don't trust his jump shot yet and those abilities are beneficial but not essential and hard to maximize especially on a good team so i think that he still can provide lots of value either as a second unit center or power forward and stop gap kind of that sort of thing but no i don't expect him to be a starter yeah he does have quick feet i think really though uh, to be a guy that can be extremely effective uh, on both ends you know, may- maybe like the hope for him is he could become like blake griffin defensively and blake griffin has actually become an okay defensive player but i don't think that julius is as explosive as him he's not he could be a very much a blake griffin light but uh, i think to be a quality player he's gotta shoot more threes and make them and i think he's a long way away from that uh, of course and maybe he'll get there i'm not gonna preclude that as a possibility but it is something that he hasn't come close to doing yet in his career shot a few more down the end of last year but to say that that's a shot that you want him taking on a good team or either that or he's got to be fit next to a center who can shoot threes on one end and block shots on the other end and uh yeah good luck finding that you ready for my question no let's tease it well here you ask the question and then we'll do a commercial and then i'll answer it how about that i like it so <laughs> i i was writing the sun's offseason preview for si before we recorded this and i was working on a section on eric bledsoe and so one of the questions that i was thinking about was where would i like to see him among realistic options where would i like to see him play basketball next year oh god i want to answer this so badly but first we got to make some money here and the way we're going to do that is by telling you how you can make some money and that's by joining lyft the ride sharing company that believes in treating its people better i think everyone knows at this point why you'd want to drive for a ride sharing company you can turn the app on and off basically whenever you want if you have a couple of spare hours if you need to get a second job nobody's going to be like oh yeah just come in for two hours whenever you want if you're working for lyft you could do that People who drive for Lyft include seniors who are retired and want to make a little extra money, families who are trying to pay for maybe their child's braces. If you're trying to save up for a new couch or a new purchase, if you have another job, or even if you want to make it your primary living, you can do that as well. And why is Lyft better? Only Lyft offers in-app tipping. You keep 100% of those tips. Drivers have been paid over $150 million in tips since the feature was introduced. I always tip when I ride with Lyft, at least 20%, if not more. They also have this express pay feature that lets drivers get paid almost instantly. You don't have to wait for weeks. They have a new device that makes picking up your passengers easier. 
with color coding so they can find you very easily. It's really simple. Happy drivers mean happy passengers. And that's why nine out of 10 Lyft rides get a perfect five-star rating. The way to get started with Lyft, go to lyft.com, L-Y-F-T.com slash Capspace. Capspace URL, easy to remember because we talk about Capspace all the time on the program as we will today with the Charlotte Hornets. And if you go to that URL, you can get a $500 new driver bonus. Their application and vetting process usually takes about a week or so. And then you can start riding. No, not riding. I ride. You can start driving and start getting some cash in your pocket. Limited time only. Terms apply. All right. So where would I like to see Eric Bledsoe? I think Utah would be number one, assuming that they bring back Gordon Hayward, of course. Uh, and that's a team that realistically could trade for him. And I would like to just see him running the show for a good team. You know, we haven't really seen him uh, other than that one first year that he was in Phoenix get a chance to be on a good team. And I'd like to see him get in the playoffs and see what he could do i think minnesota might be another one where it would be nice to see him and then he could even guard some bigger players as a stopper they do some more switching because he's got that strong body the great length as well milwaukee would be extremely interesting although i don't know if they really have the assets to get it done not the knicks yeah, those are probably the biggest ones for me. Any, anyone that you thought of that I missed there? So uh, one with a caveat. So if the Knicks were able to get him without giving up their pick this year, then it, I would see it as an interesting stopgap type thing where they could get him yeah. for two years and then let's what say... What about the sorry triangle though? Like that's why oh, I'm not... Like, they're, just, yeah. they're just such a shit show that's there. That's true. Like, I, 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 I wasn't thinking about the triangle. I was just thinking about having a competent point guard with Porzingis. That was yeah, no, it'd be awesome to see him run pick and pop with Porzingis. They're going to run that four times a game. Congratulations. That's true. That's a very good point. So yeah, th- that would be that would be another one. And like, so for me, the reason why a team like Chicago isn't on the list is just because I don't think they can put it all together, not only in terms of an offer, but just by ge- just getting good enough. We've talked about this with them before about the idea of trading Jimmy Butler. So for me, the A1 is really Utah, if it's, if it's possible. I think that they also have the assets to get it done, whether that's young players. We talked about the idea of, of my, my advocacy for Derek Favors being included in a trade like that. I think he would really really help you help uh phoenix's kind of big man rotation as they're figuring this all out or they can use draft assets whatever else they want to do and milwaukee would be great as you said there is that limitation but i just think he could elevate their ceiling and i also don't think that having bledsoe is mutually exclusive with brogdon i think they could play together they could play separately and sure. Bledsoe, and bledsoe's contract is is not prohibitive so i don't think that really challenges them in terms of where they're going long term financially so i think the idea would be have bledsoe for these years then you can be more competitive as you wait for Brogdon, Thon Maker, and ideally Jabari Parker to get to where they need to be. What about Jabari Parker and one of their bad center contracts for Bledsoe? I mean, I would do that if I were Phoenix. Absolutely. You would not do that if you, if you were Milwaukee? I mean, you know, I, you know, I love Parker. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the league, but given two ACL tears now to the same knee, he's about to get expensive. We have no idea if he's going to stay healthy. He's got a lot of defensive limitations as well. He's, he's got better this year but still a little bit of ways from maybe playing winning basketball on both ends there are a lot of questions and eric bledsoe still under contract for two more years now yeah his contract's amazing it's two years about a combined 30 million dollars which is incredible and so i I mean i think i probably wouldn't do it just because parker still gives you so much upside but there's also a question of his fit with Giannis as well well but so here's the thing also you could have a thing that i think teams should do more often is the idea of kind of sweeteners coming back so 
maybe you could right. say that the Suns are getting the best offer. So if they included, let's say, Marquise Chris or somebody else, maybe a lower asset than that in the trade, then we maybe we start to get a little bit of traction there. And you could you could work something in with all those type of guys. But yeah. Yeah, or even like a, a TJ Warren might sure. be someone because he's someone who's going to get expensive get paid. too. Same, same draft class. You know, give them some scoring off the bench, which I think they could really use uh, as well. Never going to happen, but it is interesting. I mean, it's, we've had such difficulty calibrating what Parker's value might be in an extension and obviously his trade value would be similarly difficult it certainly would be a team taking a risk who's willing to try to just you know make the upside play and you can make the argument maybe that if you have Giannis on your team you can say all right we need to this is our only chance at getting another star but maybe that's Thon Maker I don't think he can be a superstar but he can be a, a very solid player uh, or you can say hey you know what like can we really take a risk of paying someone who could get injured at any time like 20 25 million dollars a year next to Giannis and now if something happens to him like we're screwed for the next four years especially because in a way the Suns would be doing it sight unseen I mean they they can't know where he's going to recover to because he's not recovered yet yeah they do have a great training staff they do uh, it's actually actually ironic if they traded for him since it was in phoenix that he tore his acl that first time but um all right let's get to uh deer and fox here this is rare for me and i'm sure rare for listeners of this podcast i don't really have like that strong of an opinion on fox either way you know i i don't see him as a superstar he also really to me other than his shooting which i think is not going to be that terrible i think he can get to be passable there i think he he kind of seems like someone who can be a quality starting point guard for a long time but you know i don't necessarily see him being better than like you know eric bledsoe at his peak that type of player you know i don't see him necessarily becoming a top five point guard in the nba it's not impossible because he is a very athletic guy but he has a long way to go to get there even if he doesn't have any obvious weaknesses as a prospect other than the shooting i'm sure we'll talk about the shooting at some point but what struck me at one point during this time i watched a lot of his assists is that he's a good passer he's good at finding the open guy which you know a lot of high a lot of high school and college point guards can't do but i very rarely saw him kind of passing a guy open or seeing something that was really impressive and that's concerning to me just because you look at kind of the uh, two different elements that can really hold a modern point guard back one of them is the lack of a pull-up jumper because you don't you can't you can defend them very differently the second is just not having that reliable shot creation for others like those are two things that can be limiting for a good athlete for a good kid doesn't really matter if you can't do either of those it's a problem I think that he will be able to figure both of those out I think there's a entirely a chance but it's far from certain and that makes me a little bit uncomfortable with him i thought his passing was very solid i i'm it's not to the point where i'd say i feel uncomfortable about him to me it, i mean he he wasn't like he's finding the open guy you know there wasn't like a ton of watching film where it's like oh this guy was open he didn't throw it to him you know he, he played pick and roll he, he makes the right reads it's not you know he's not like just oh my god how the hell did he see that type of plays but you know how many passers are there like that really in the NBA at the point guard position, you know, there's maybe five or six that you would look at that way. He, he can he can do what needs to be done out of pick and roll, I think. Um, so I thought, and I thought he had a really nice feel for entering the ball into the post. Uh, he threw some really nice alley-oops to Bam Adebayo. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't really pass much with his right hand. He's left hand. He's, he definitely plays very left side forward. You know, you'll see that from a lot of left-handed guys, even if they're just dribbling the ball, facing the basket straight, like his left foot and the left side of his body is always kind of in front of his left. Um, but his right hand is developing. He's not like a Zoolander type of guy at, at the rim. Uh 
another thing that he had a good feel for was just in transition he would take a couple of steps to drive in and then just kind of flash in front of the guy guarding a shooter and then just pitch back to that shooter for a three you know he had a nice feel for for those type of plays give you some basics on him six foot four six six and a half wingspan it's only measured at about 170 pretty consistently throughout his career and that definitely shows that that lack of heft we'll get to that more when we talk about his defense i think athletically he's explosive especially off of one foot and he can explode from odd angles especially in transition he's got really nice euro steps can jump off at either foot you know he'll kind of be it seems like ambling to the goal and all of a sudden he'll take off and explode past this guy in the air also really fast in transition can push the ball hard he'll definitely be a problem for teams in transition and he's a decent rebounder as a grab and go guy not amazing but solid there and he's also reputed to be a great character kid very impressive interview i mean the interviews that you see of him you know you're pretty much blown away by that kind of stuff and that's in contrast maybe to dennis smith who does not particularly impress in those sorts of areas right and but but, yeah but it's not it's not always clear how that kind of stuff is is going to translate obviously as a point guard the team takes more of your personality if you have the ball in your hands people draw to to magic on that but i think that's totally fair and he is i I think of him in, in an interesting way as being unselfish on the court in a way that i think guys guys would enjoy playing with him that he's he's unselfish really with his energy so he pushes the ball hard but he's not always doing it just to get his own shot and i feel like whether he's a second unit guy early in his career or he's a starter people will like playing with him in that way i agree with you there Uh, let's get to the ugly part though his jump shot give you some stats no well actually i'll say this first it doesn't look awful like he looks pretty smooth taking it he's not like doesn't have like some awful hitch in it you know he kind of gets it his elbow flex past 90 degrees and he it shoots it off the top of his head a little bit it's a little a little bit more out than up it doesn't it's not amazing you know he kind of turns his body to the side as well again left foot forward is is kind of how he plays but he still shot 74 percent from the foul line that's not horrendous you know he's not the real thing that makes you worry is this guy can't shoot free throws and he's shooting a really poor percentage on jumpers that said he's shooting a really poor percentage on jumpers <laughs> 38 out of 136 on jump shots 28 percent, only 32 percent e field goal percentage doesn't get any better on catch and shoots five out of 27 on unguarded catch and shoots which is horrendous and 10 out of 41 on jump shots out of the pick and roll 27 percent on three pointers taking about 15 percent of his shots from behind the arc and what's so concerning to me about that more so than the lack of success is the lack of frequency because if if teams aren't worried about you shooting they're just going to sag off and then the advantages that you create by being faster than everybody else matter less now the lack of jumper didn't make him totally inefficient right uh 55% true shooting, which is okay, not amazing. But he got to the foul line a ton, especially in transition. 47% free throw rate, which is outstanding. And with that slight body, he's able to get a little bit of a step on guys. And then, you know, he's one of the few guys that we saw in college who can kind of do the field contact and and throw it up and get a foul. And usually that'll happen closer to the rim. But especially because he's not the strongest guy, when there is illegal contact, he's able to accentuate that and get to 
to the foul line is really a very nice free throw rate for someone with his game and he's got the ability all right if you're gonna back up on me i'm just gonna come right at you still you know if they go under on him he'll rescreen get into the lane his floater game surprisingly enough is excellent 20 out of 42 on runners which obviously is fantastic and he was he killed ucla on those in that massive 38 point game that he had in the regional semifinals which you may remember danny but so i i think and he's got a decent amount of craft in the pick and roll he can get, if they go over the screen he can get guys on his back and then kind of bump them off and then go into his floater game and, and obviously if he draws the defense he makes the right passes he can find the roll man he can find guys for alley-oops he's got some moves too you know he can throw out a, a pretty ridiculous crossover at times you know, he's not like going through these massive dribbling exhibitions but if he needs to make a quick move you know one or two moves either an inside out or, or a crossover he can string one or two moves together and with his quickness that's all he needs to create separation uh and the real question about him is i mean let's say danny there's like one, kind of one or two pass for him right let's say he or i guess one of three pass let's say he becomes a shooter like say on the level of like goran dragic or mike conley all guy, uh, and maybe even kyle lowry although lowry is even a, a level beyond those guys i think but uh you know a guy who hey actually like shoots in the high 30s on threes and can shoot when you go under on the screen and that's a pretty nasty player i'm not saying that's going to happen but you know we've seen guys who are this bad as shooters but shoot okay from the foul line get to that level you know that's eight years from now that he would be there but and that's a pretty nasty player isn't it yeah i mean to me that's a fringe all-star probably not an all-nba guy but that's a, a wonderful place to be for a player and well i think he's more athletic than any of those guys you know i mean i think if, if you combine and it has as much or more size than any of those guys too if you combine that level of shooting with the speed that he has getting in the basket what he can do in transition i think his defense which we'll get to can be very very good he gets a lot of steals like maybe he even could be you know a, a, an all nba type of performer but uh, you know you're projecting a lot to say that he's going to get to that type of level right and that's kind of the bigger point is that you have these kind of two two steps down i'm guessing you're going to say that the next one or do you want to do the bottom first or do you want to do the middle yeah well there's a, you know sort of the middle tier would be maybe like a john wall type of shooter you know wall has been a very suspect shooter always been a good free throw shooter though you know maybe he uh, fox gets to that kind of a level uh, and you know i wouldn't say that he if that's the case you know i would say he is significantly less physical talent uh, than john wall would but you know i think he would just be kind of a solid starter maybe you know 10th 15th best point guard in the like, league if to he's me, that Drew type Holiday's of shooter the comp there uh drew i think drew is you know he's shot high 30s a lot so i, I mean i think he's closer to the kind of lowry he just doesn't get his, his shot off as as quickly as those That's guys fair. i guess yeah um you know maybe schroeder although he's probably a level even below that or like you know like a jeremy lynn type of shooter like that kind of guy maybe um reggie jackson like that level of shooter where it's like all right you know if you go under he'll make it sometimes but like you're not freaking out and then there's the question of all right what if he becomes alfred payton or andre miller or someone like that you know can uh, emmanuel moutier although you know the jury's still out on whether moutier can get there as a shooter that's a good question how do you think he compares to moutier as a prospect i think moutier was a better passer i thought he he had better vision and he saw he saw more i also liked that moutier it looked like to me like he was stronger but fox brings a lot of the intangibles in other ways i think that he plays with more vigor which i I really really like with fox yeah and faster in transition yeah. more explosive and also probably b- he, better defensive yeah uh talent and, and i like fox's instincts defensively a lot better and really at this stage the body part is important but i like 
liked what Fox kind of the way that he you'd see certain plays with him be like, okay, he gets this better than most guys his age. And that was very encouraging. That was also something we saw way back at the Nike Hoop Summit back in in 2016. Also worth noting, although it was a short season, Moutier shot in the 30s from NBA three point range in China. And, That's true. You know, his first year in the NBA, he shot, you know, in the 30s, pretty bad on jump shots. Certainly was like one of the most inefficient rookies that we've ever seen. Um, you know, I do think that what I like about Fox, though, is despite the shooting limitations, despite the fact you wouldn't look at him as like, oh, this guy's an unbelievable score with the free throws, the floaters, like he finds a way to get shots up. You know, he had a 27% usage rate on what was a pretty loaded Kentucky team and a team that was playing some spacing challenge lineups at times as well with Isaiah Briscoe and Wendy and Gabriel starting together for a lot of the season things really opened up when they would go to, to uh, Willis at the four but yeah I think he seems like someone who again is like all right you know he's gonna score pretty solidly is he gonna be a dominant scorer probably not is he, is he gonna be a dominant passer probably not but he could be a solid passer you know is he he maybe will have the ability to be a very good defensive player but as a point guard especially with the offensive responsibility there just aren't that many dominant defensive point guards in the league especially as they get a little bit older uh you know can he be a dominant finisher probably not but he could be a good finisher for a point guard certainly he's explosive doesn't really have a lot of one-hand finishes or craft yet uh doesn't get much extension so i think he'll be solid but not amazing in that area what about defensively what did you see from him there day couple different fundamental components one is i like the way he moves so he when on closeouts he does well when he kind of has to shuffle his feet i think he does pretty well but he's so slight he's just a small guy in terms of frame and he can get bigger i expect him to get bigger hopefully he can do that without losing that quickness so that makes him less switchable than you would expect when you see a guy who has like a 6-6 wingspan you go oh man he can guard some twos and all that kind of stuff it's like no he's gonna have to become a very different physical person in order to be able to do that yeah he'll at most be a two position defender uh and and I think you're right. He's going to have to get stronger because, you know, if he had to guard like Bradley Beal, right? Like Bradley Beal could just get a shoulder into him, knock him backwards, and then just pull up for a jumper very easily. Like when opposing point guards would get a shoulder by him, he wasn't able really to affect their shots. Uh, and not a, a great like block percentage, for example. I mean, you know, you don't expect that out of your point guard, but he's not, he wasn't really able to affect guys at the rim in the way that like Alonzo Ball or Markel Fultz would. And he doesn't have, you know, much worse physical tools in some ways than those guys do uh but in, in part because he's so slight if there's any contact he's just going to get knocked backwards and not really be able to affect his man at the rim at this point we've seen a lot of guys like him get a lot stronger too so I, i'm not willing to preclude him getting there by any means uh and getting over screens can be a little bit of an issue for him as well again because he's so slight uh and where do you feel he is in the hierarchy i mean the only guy we haven't looked at really is projected that anyone's talking about going in the top five at this point has been monk he's hard because i think this the ceiling play on him is certainly possible but i think it's lower like just the the expected value than somebody like dennis smith but his average value is much higher because i can see what the value he can provide even if he doesn't reach that especially actually in limited minutes i think if he ratcheted up his defensive intensity because he when he brings it he's quite good defensively but then he kind of loses it a little bit and being in an nba conditioning system and all that's really going to help him out so i would 
probably, I haven't really pieced together exactly where I'd have him. I think he's definitely, at worst, he's in the mix with those forwards and, and Smith. I don't know yet if I have him above all those guys, but he's certainly in that conversation. And the biggest thing that I would want to see, you, you talked about his jumper in a couple different ways. Something that was shocking to me when I watched him was he has some shots where he just lets the ball go too early or too late. You know, like he just, he shoots it a little bit on the way up or a little bit on the way down. And I think of that as something that can be fixed, but it's just weird to see in a guy who is as good as he is. And so you kind of, so what I would do is you, you sit there like Sacramento or Orlando or one of these teams in that mix and watch him shoot a ton of jumpers in your own gym. Ideally, if you can have somebody there to maybe give him some coaching to see if he can handle direction. And if, if you feel like that lower scenario is less realistic and it's more the middle and the upper, then I would be on board with him being a higher end prospect. Yeah, that's, a, I think, workouts going to be very interesting. He's had a lot of visits, actually. He actually did visit, apparently, with Sacramento, uh, who had the fifth pick. Uh, I think he's trying to establish that as a floor. Chad Ford saying today that he thought that would be his floor uh, at five. And, and that seems reasonable to me. Yeah, th- that's going to be a very big question, right? If he comes in and he's able to hit shots or even like heat up to where at times he's hitting shots, you know, if it's just awful misses again uh, and you start to worry about it. I think that he's a guy for whom workouts, not even necessarily workouts against competition, but just one-on-none workouts in the gym. And I, I really don't know enough about the workout process to say, all right, here's how that translates but at least if he's hitting shots in a workout setting you feel like all right it's possible <laughs> you know whereas if he's still hitting those then you if he still can't hit it and it's like all right there's another data point now that confirms that he's he's shot very poorly to answer my own question just based on what i see on film again this is just film i i would have dennis smith ahead of him i would probably have him ahead of jonathan isaac but i think it'd be pretty close uh and you know i think i would still have fox ahead of tatum or ahead of josh jackson Smith to me is just he's more explosive he's got more ball skills I don't think that Smith is really that much below Fox as a passer maybe a little bit but obviously played on a much much worse team uh but just his ability to get to the basket as a finisher shoot open threes pretty well especially from a standstill uh won't be the defender that Fox is probably though he might actually Smith might actually be a better switch guy than Fox just because he'll get a little stronger there's also the injury risk for Smith as well again I'm not putting that into my evaluation and obviously Fox uh, just i mean you just watch one interview of fox and one interview of smith and you'll see what we're talking about here of like you know why people are high on fox's character and and don't say the same thing necessarily about smith not that smith comes off as like a bad guy or anything but he doesn't impart the sort of wisdom really that that it seems like fox has and polish but i'm not considering that you know i don't have access to those reports i don't know them personally i haven't sat down with them and even the people who have probably don't really know how much that type of thing should be weighted so i would say just based on the film i would have smith ahead of fox at this point um but i certainly would understand someone who who liked fox better i I think that smith just has the upside to be a top five point guard and i don't necessarily see that from fox unless his jumper just absolutely blows up something i wanted to ask you because you watched more film of him shooting than i did did you ever see fox shoot from beyond like right at the three-point line no no absolutely not because that's a concern as well because when you expand the line out then that could really hurt somebody who's missing who and also you know he missed short sometimes but it's just that that pushback of a little bit could really matter for him all right we'll be right back with the charlotte hornets offseason but first this from harry's father's day is just around the corner and dads are impossible to shop for those surly dads so gruff but if you get them a harry's shave kit maybe they'll shave and not look quite as gruff and intimidating 
And the way you do that is you can go to harrys.com slash capspace and get $5 off one of their shave sets that includes a limited edition Father's Day set. Comes with a storm gray razor handle, chrome razor stand, which is actually sitting on my bathroom counter right now, and their foaming shave gel, which I know you are a fan of, Danny. I am. It's a it's a really great product. I will use what it. What makes it? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, what what I'll, makes I'll, it better than like the other? Uh, to to get into some analysis, what makes it better to you than like some of the other ones that you've tried? A couple different things. So it it foams up after you after you get it out of the bottle, so that means you use less of it. Like I found myself using less, which is great in terms of economies economy, just because it you know you can get more efficient more efficiency something you and i both like in in basketball players and in in shave gel and it's comfortable on your skin and i think it does a really it 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 soothes it it does everything that shave gel is supposed to do and i've basically just adapted to using it full time i've ever since i used it the first time it's been it's surprising because i'm kind of a brand loyalist sometimes with these sorts of things but when something impresses me i'm going to keep using it until something else comes along and nothing has yeah and thanks to their 100 percent quality guarantee if for some reason you don't agree with the date the great Danny LaRue. They'll give you a full refund. If you are not happy, Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price. Now you don't have to go to the drugstore and ask them to unlock those ridiculous cabinets that store these apparently incredibly valuable name brand razors with a device that looks like the nuclear football just so you can like take this thing home, pay way too much for it and go shave harry's doesn't mark their stuff up like that so once again harry's.com slash cap space right now to redeem that special offer five dollars off one of their shave sets harry's.com slash cap space for five dollars off and of course let them know that you came from us now the scintillating off season of the charlotte hornets they are capped out basically forever and ever for eternity forever pretty much and they have an unusual kind of set of circumstances because they have five different players that are making between 12 million and 13.2 million next season some of those are good contracts kemba walker is a great contract and then some of them miles plumley are distinctly not great and that creates a challenge for them because the to really change their overall situation would require much larger moves than i expect them to want to make or to be capable of making yeah and it's really a shame in some respects because i think walker is the best contract in the league maybe that goes for longer than next year at 12 million for an all-star caliber of player we'll see whether he can repeat that performance again this year and but you know they've got like seven million for jeremy lamb and six million for marco bellinelli and and i think zeller is a good deal 12.6 million this year he's got a four-year 56 million dollar extension that he signed last fall i mean i think he's a quality starting center we saw what happened to them when they didn't have him last year but yeah Plumley making 12.5 million for three more years after this one he's already in his late 20s had knee surgery a debridement after missing basically his entire time in charlotte after the trade deadline with a calf injury marvin williams we kind of always knew that was going to be a little bit of an overpay he's probably about properly paid right now uh but he had a small cap hold and then they increased that via the most they could pay him with the early bird exception last season batum again he had a smaller cap hold they bumped him up so that's why they're basically up against the cap this year because they exceeded the cap last year with those bird rights 
I do think that this is a team that was better than they were able to show last year just due to their problems with the with depth uh and whenever Zeller was out there off of they're like you know three and 21 or something when Zeller didn't play uh but he has been injury prone at times in his career and it may be that he isn't quite strong enough to hold up as a full-time center uh, and not get injured so I could see them maybe if they keep this cast together add a little bit around the margins getting back to being you know something like a seven seed or a six seed in the east this year there's really nobody that you look at below the top four teams in the east that's looking like they're going to exceed 45 wins we'll see what happens in the offseason but so they could definitely get back to me being a five seed it's just their chances for moving beyond there seem very small given the limited resources now at hand yeah it's a challenging spot and the other thing that's a little bit frustrating is one of their kind of needs that I see is ideally something like what they had with Jeremy Lin. You're obviously not going to get right. Jeremy Lin again, but the idea of a point guard who can both back up Kemba and play with him is a was a wonderful fit. They Steve Clifford did a nice job of integrating that type of player. It's very hard to find somebody like that, even if you have the full middle level exception. And they should have that. There, I there are really two scenarios here, depending upon the team option of Ramon Sessions, who missed the end of the year as well uh, with a, another knee surgery. They have until June 29th to decide to keep him at 6.3 million for next year, or let him go. And they could always resign him too, although he would be unrestricted if they decline that team option. Um, So if they don't have him on the books with their draft pick number 11, they're looking at right about $6 million over the cap, which leaves them about $14 million below the tax, which uh, Michael Jordan will pay on a cold day in hell. So I think that my most likely for them is that they decline Sessions team option, and then they would have close enough room to use the full MLE starting up to a four-year contract starting at $8.4 million. And then also the BAE, which we haven't uh, talked about much, but that actually is a little bit more powerful now in this new cba you can do give a a two-year contract starting at about three million a year now uh, a little bit over that 3.3 million a year with the bae so they could probably use both of those and still have a little room to fit in around the margins to operate to avoid the tax or you know maybe make them a small move to get under the tax once they get to the trade deadline. another very important team building piece that they have is the 11th overall pick you know one of the benefits of having a worse than expected season is that you get a better draft pick and at 11 they're probably going to be at the mercy of just who's on the board and that player likely is not going to help them this season but it's still a nice piece to have when you're looking for cost-controlled potential rotation players moving forward and the 11 pick has been successful recently including miles turner really that's uh i don't think charlotte fans were aware of that uh what do you think that they need you mentioned additional creation when walker was off the floor they really struggled to score batum really the only other guy who can create anything off the dribble on this team sessions and do that a little bit but you know again if they're not going to bring him back and he's getting into his 30s now so i think they definitely need a better solution at, at backup point guard but what else do you think they need outside of that i'd like to see them bring in another wing just with a different skill set I'm not the biggest fan of Bellinelli or Lamb and yeah Batum and, and Marvin and MKG are all good players but you need more depth there especially since the league is going smaller and the more that you can play those guys and kind of some of those switchy lineups I think that could work very well with their talent so 
if they could get somebody who is worth a spot in the rotation, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, Lamb, Bellinelli, those guys, I mean, I think they've played effectively at times. You know, those aren't like bad backup wings, but yeah, you can always use more of them. Uh, but they do have two guys who can play as combo forwards, MKG and Marvin Williams as well. I mean, I actually think what their second biggest need is, you're going to laugh at this, backup center. Oh, I, I think you might be right, but that's just so depressing. Like, I'm not sure if Plumlee is even a quality backup. Uh, they certainly overpaid to get him. Kaminsky failed pretty badly as a center defensively. I mean, maybe your plan can be, all right, he's going to play center. We'll just outscore people on the second unit. There's certain matchups maybe where that could work. And, you know, Kaminsky still is going to have to hit more of his shots as well. We've talked to quite a bit about him. And then, you know, whether he a backup power forward, he's kind of stuck in between how many minutes can he play? Can you defend when he's on the floor? All those are questions. So, I mean, yeah, if they, it would be nice if they had someone on this team who could block a shot. They really just don't have any. I mean, Marvin Williams might be their best shot blocker on this team. Um, so and marvin is going to start slowing down so just getting you know this could be a year that he falls off a cliff so getting someone else maybe who could be good there but i will assume that they're not going to look for another big you know unless it's kind of a project guy who's going to be essentially their fifth big but yeah and that might be what they use their draft pick on depending on supply because it sounds like from what i'm hearing that's kind of a spot where there are going to be some bigs so maybe you just take that guy hope it works out yeah well and they need some more american white centers on this team too so zach collins i think would, would fit perfectly perfectly um michael jordan for some reason loves like white american centers who do you think could be a good fit for them in free agency if they were able to use their full mle so as we've said i think the priority is is a backup one i'm not sure he would be interested but darren williams would be a decent enough fit can a bigger guy can do that i've thought about the idea i don't think he would take the full thing if langston galloway declined his player option he would be restricted but i'm not sure the kings are so gung about bringing him back Galway could be I, an interesting guy for them I, I don't think he's a good fit because he can't do anything off the dribble like they gotta have somebody to me who can run a pick and roll and, and create a little bit that's not really Galloway's game to me right what I'm thinking about with him is more that he you know he fills part of that role not the whole thing uh god it, it's hard I, I think that you're probably going to look for a different you're not going to be able to find a single player who can do both things so the backup point guard market you know it's kind of the standard you know Ty Lawson Jose Calderon type guys maybe Ray Felton something like that I was thinking more along the lines of Tyreek Evans hmm. and it's funny we found a lot of these teams really that need guys like that like maybe his market even someone like Rodney Suckey could have a higher market but just somebody who, who can create shots so I thought Tyreek Evans would be one on maybe on more of a make good contract I don't think he would want to lock in for more than one year at, at only MLE money so maybe like a one plus one for him obviously a huge injury risk there though um Rodney Suckey he's 31 but maybe just someone who can create a shot I mean I wouldn't spend the full MLE on him, but just he might be maybe like more of a BAE type of candidate. Ty Lawson, only problem there is it's difficult to play him together with Walker because they're both pretty small point guards, but it's bringing him back to North Carolina could be something that they could look at. Uh, I've got, I got an idea to throw at you. Sure. With the, with kind of the the reporting that his contract works like what just happened with Stuckey's Monte Ellis, if the if the basically if the Pacers don't really have a place for him, the the Hornets have a ton of filler salary. Maybe you could even run something with those two guys, and maybe Jeremy Lamb for Monte or something like that to clear his money off the books. He makes Lamb makes less money this year, but has a guaranteed money for next year. Something like that could work. Yeah, but Ellis could be a, a good thought, although we'll have to see what happens in Indiana with Jeff Teague 
free agency as well and and if they end up moving paul george but yeah he's someone that i would think of i think uh sean livingston would be an outstanding fit especially with the shooting that someone like kaminsky brings on the second unit where that would allow Livingston to get into the post, uh, create a few shots. He could guard uh, the other team's shooting guard if you wanted to play him with Walker a little bit. You know, he's still probably going to be limited to 20 minutes a game at this point in his career, but I think he could be a pretty good fit and someone I might consider, you know, spending like a full MLE on for like maybe two years, something like that uh, at age 31. One another um, one I thought of was Ron Baker. I don't think you give him the full amount, but as just kind of a, the idea that you're not going to get somebody who's a perfect fit. Ron's 24. He could work. Yeah, uh, the Knicks, of course, would would have match rights on him. Another thought for these guys too, because they are a team that is over the cap, but not particularly close to the tax yet. That they might be an option for a sign and trade. Uh, someone like Rudy Gay, perhaps. You know, if they were to give him a three-year, thirty-six million dollar deal or something, and a sign and trade trade with the kings uh that might be something they would consider although they would obviously have to send some salary back to the kings that the kings might not be that interested in there uh so that's a, that's a concern um but you know if they sent back lamb you're most of the way there at that point uh, the kings have ninety-seven thousand shooting guards maybe they wouldn't be interested but they, they might be able to work out some kind of a deal there uh Dion waiters in a sign and trade might also be someone that they could consider but again is miami going to want to take salary back probably not uh the wolves with shabazz muhammad like they're full MLE probably not enough to get Muhammad uh but we'll see maybe the Wolves are just gonna not match maybe if they offered Shabazz a full MLE deal over four years he might be interested in that I don't know if even teams around the league think he's good but these are these are all guys who could just create some shots for you you know which they really I think need pretty desperately one of the questions that we always ask on these is where are they in the success cycle you know what should their mindset be just in terms of the overall direction of the franchise what do you think about that I think they have to be pretty close to it. I mean, you think about that Marvin Williams could be aging out relatively quickly. Nikola Batum is not super old, but I think he's kind of in that stage where you wouldn't really expect him to get better. Kemba Walker was wonderful this past year, showed real improvement, but I wouldn't expect him to make another big jump. So I think the time is now. Yeah, the time is now to chase that five seed in the East. But you know, th- that's been what has been the approach here. You know, when they got Michael Kidd Gilchrist instead of Anthony Davis, perhaps that, that this fate was always kind of destined. And the hope is with Walker, maybe they could continue to compete in that area. And that would actually be good for where they've been historically since the the franchise reboot in 2004 so yeah I, I think you're right i think they should go for i mean i don't know if i want to be like all right we're going to trade the number 11 pick and try and get someone here uh, right just kind of like the, think- it's the pistons basically it's like you want to yeah. go for it within the means that you have you don't want to sacrifice your future assets because your present isn't good enough to sacrifice your future yeah and remember they already traded their first rounder last year for bellinelli as well uh but yeah i mean it, this team especially kaminsky as well like with him not really working out to be a star level of player i'm not sure what they thought he would be that or not but uh with him not working out that well it seems like you know this is kind of their fate so maximize it here for a couple of years and then rebuild i mean if it were me just as the gm i didn't have to worry about economic realities in that market i might say hey let's see what we can get for this great contract that kemba walker's on for uh, two more years 
here and uh you know let's let's try and rebuild but you know i wouldn't uh, they still have so much dead weight maybe see if you could move batum who you know even he's looking like not a great contract even though he certainly had multiple offers last year for the max and so with the kemba walker thing another dynamic to consider for charlotte like if we're being their fake gm is that he's 27 now so he'll be in that situation kind of like isaiah thomas where he's on a wonderful contract right now but i'm not sure that i'll be comfortable giving him his next deal so that would to me that would signal the the kind of guy that you should consider trading at some point maybe that point isn't now but let's say they're not a playoff team at the trade deadline at maybe at that point you start to consider it just because the future value isn't there if you don't want to sign him to his next contract yeah and maybe in the long term the 2019 offseason when walker will be off the books oh they'll still have another year of plumley at that point they'll still have another year of batum mkg and marvin williams both have player options that year i mean even then you're probably not necessarily ready to totally reboot things but they could lose walker and you know maybe they'll just be bad because they don't have much choice at that point or maybe they could trade some of those guys so they'd finally be in the last year of their deal but tube goes all the way out five years he's got a player option for the 2020-21 season uh for 27 million so oh, actually, can i, can I yeah. bring up a small point on that so yes. i have a piece that i've been working on for the sport news for months now it's one of those like i just drop a couple drop a couple lines on it every couple months about the mistake that they made by not front-loading Batum's contract and I think we're going to start seeing that soon because yes that would have made it harder in terms of the luxury tax this coming season but they could have made that work and then his contract would look so much more palatable if you basically reversed the structure the issue they couldn't have fully front-loaded it because of the max but they could have done it more than they did right yeah I, I agree that's something that we talked about the, the very moment it happened that that was something that they should do when it became clear that they actually got a discount on that I mean really you're not getting much of the benefit of that discount at this point and then the impact of the Plumley contract is next year if they use the MLE and maybe the BAE this year they really will have almost no room to operate under the tax whatsoever next year even with some free agents a few free agents coming off the books not many it would just really be Bellinelli this team is locked up for a long time it's really pretty remarkable like of their top like seven guys pretty much all of them are under contract for at least two more years so but that's going to be the opportunity cost and I think even that MLE money will go even further next year so maybe you know they might say hey we don't have anyone it's worth using the full MLE on maybe we'll just only use part of it or we could split that among two people or something like that uh, but yeah still not a ton of flexibility and maybe that MLE goes further but it is worth noting that although they were longer contracts back under the old CBAs prior to 2011 you know we're talking five or six year deals back then uh and just relatively the MLE was higher uh compared to the cap under that regime than under the 2011 cba but now 2017 i think it's going to be more similar other than just their shorter years so we could see some of those full mle contracts end up being really bad deals by the end of them i think a lot of those that'll probably be the case because you're giving those out to guys who are in their late 20s and uh they're not elite players if they're taking that type of money one other thing i want to talk about briefly with them is that they have three non-guaranteed contracts at this moment briante weber and and Johnny O'Brien, my my info has it that they're not they guarantee date is August first, and then Travion Graham's is basically the kind of the late time, which is in the middle of next season. Yeah, the league cut down date of January 10th. Yeah, those guys are all at the minimum. Weber, I mean, I think his fate, having him as a third point guard is probably someone that they'll need. Uh, he can at least play some defense, distribute a little bit. He's got to work on his shot, obviously, quite a bit. Very athletic. So I think they'll be viewing him as a 
third point guard probably hasn't proven enough to get a shot as the main backup but you'd have to imagine they'll keep him around O'Brien I don't think he's really kind of like an ISO post-up type of scorer doesn't play much defense I'm not really sure that he has a great fit I would my projection is that they probably will move on from him Uh, and then Graham eh, kind of a big bodied guy actually started a few games but more just like a straight defensive player hasn't shown much offensive game yet big body but you know not like an absolute lockdown guy on the wing yet so we'll see what happens with him maybe they like it It just will depend what the up who else they can get in free agency and with his structure they can just bring him into camp like i think that's yeah. kind of what you do in his spot is you bring him in and if he's one of your 15 best guys great if he's not no no harm no foul yeah christian wood they actually had a team option at the minimum for him they have now declined that he can be made a restricted free agent but i doubt they will even make him a qualifying offer because why wouldn't they have just kept him for a non-guaranteed uh well i figured, i don't remember if it was guaranteed or not but why wouldn't they just kept him for the minimum I mean, if you make him a qualifying offer he can just accept it immediately and he'll actually make more money than he would have before so you have to imagine that he almost certainly will be moving on from Charles. yeah what do they have in terms of like future assets draft picks if they wanted to to make a deal not much so i had originally misread it and thought that they had brooklyn's 2018 second but they actually received the less favorable of this is an amazing split the less favorable of brooklyn or cleveland's 2018 second round picks so they'll get cleveland's 2018 second round pick as a part of the i think it's the value a trade it was a, a kind of a complicated set of transactions that happened over the course of a couple of years between cleveland and philly and various other things yeah one pablo voile maybe uh but yeah the the argentina shooting guard that was drafted like 39 or something in 2015 i want to say by brooklyn hasn't done much yet yeah i guess that's about it for these guys and that's about it for our show don't forget about our sponsors today harry's go to harry's.com slash catspace right now to redeem a special offer five dollars off one of their shave sets and lift if you want to join the ride sharing company that believes in treating its people better go to lift.com slash capspace today and you can get a 500 dollars new driver bonus we'll be back on wednesday night talk about game three find out whether we got a series or not talk to y'all then and also a reminder that we'll be doing the twitter nba show on wednesday night as well so check that out at nate duncan nba on periscope that's always fun we take questions during the commercials do uh, an alternate play-by-play it's been like two weeks since we had a chance to do one of those shows so we're really looking forward to it talk to y'all then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 